The time is 11.29 p.m. The temperature is... Just kidding. <laughs> if anyway, Yeah, we used to call a bank when I was a kid to get the time and temperature, and it was just like this automated call. They're like, thank you for calling Central Bank. The time is... Then I'd say the time. The temperature is... Say the temperature. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's 11.29, and it currently is 41 degrees outside. 41. 41. It's cooler. Well, warmer, I should say. It feels like 41. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is probably going to be the closest we get. No, I can't say that because we're still we. We're still us. This might be the closest we get to Midnight Stroll living up to its name. That's true. It's 11.30. But we're still us, so probably not. Yeah, especially if I get a different job that doesn't require me to be there at 7. Anyway, I don't work tomorrow. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sucks to be you. Um, Seriously, I'm so glad I'm not you. Yeah, I bet Just you kidding. are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so today... We gave you homework last episode. Do you want to talk about that first or taxes first? Let's talk about Texas taxes. Texas taxes? Yeah, I know nothing about it, but let's do it. Okay. Just kidding. It falls in line with um, us. Let's uh, do taxes. Well, I don't know, though, because which, which one of these is really going to end up being more heavy? Because oh. I could see taxes being really light, but I could also see it being, like, really heavy. I don't think it's going to be super heavy. Screw the government. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just make it heavy. F the government. <laughs> Next time you're outside, find the nearest government. Okay, we can't actually do that because that's illegal. Yeah. No inciting violence. Unless you want to. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about taxes first. Okay. So why do you hate taxes this year? Well, <clears throat> so I don't make a ton of money. But I have a couple side businesses, kind of, not really. But yeah, I work for people inside as an independent contractor, and I ended up owing a lot of taxes this year, even though I was also paying them throughout the year. And so it just really, to me more than any other years, it has felt like theft, and I have been punished for being a citizen. And for being a for citizen, productive, being a productive member of society. Yeah, and for not like working for a company, like I got punished a lot by being like an independent contractor because they took a ton, like a really big percentage, which is really frustrating. So, and I have just always, well, over the past couple of years, I've just, as we've talked and discussed like government and stuff, I've become more and more conservative. More and more, I guess. I don't know. Conservatives aren't necessarily against taxes. I, I think my belief about taxes is probably the most um, – this is going to sound super bad, but the biggest group that hates taxes are the anarchists. <laughs> and then the next is the libertarians. And then the next is like – I don't know. Conservatives are pretty anti-tax as well. Yeah. Hence tax cuts whenever there's a quote-unquote conservative president. Yeah. I um, think I'm generally – I think I'm becoming more and more like a libertarian. <laughs> yeah, I I would <laughs> than a conservative. If like, I were to define my edge. political stance with a a single specific label, I'm not a conservative. 
I'm not a libertarian. I would consider myself a classical liberal. That is, I'm very small government. I believe in liberal freedoms and protecting people's rights. And I mean, you, you think about that, that sounds super libertarian, but there's more about, I, I believe that it is completely okay to legislate morality because that's all laws are, are legislated morality. Every law has to do with right and wrong. Actually, so I, never I am thought about that. perfectly okay with some things being outlawed because they're immoral. Hmm. I have literally never thought about that. That's cool. It's it's something that I've I've always believed, sort of. I mean, I grew up in a family that was very, you know, similar political, classically liberal. My grandpa considered himself classically liberal. Liberal. He was part of the. Uh, oh, what is that? That's that. It's a. Uh, it's a super well-known, super like ultra-conservative, um, sort of like community. I can't remember what they're called. It's like the John something or other. I have no idea. I don't know. It, it was super well-known in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And um, is it the Birch Society? John Birch or something like that? I don't know. I'm going to Google it because they're still up and going. John Birch Society. I got to double check. He's an advocacy group supporting anti-communism and limited government. Yeah, yeah exactly. The John Birch a Society. Radical right and far right organization. Businessman, <laughs> co-founder of a lot of Yeah, yeah. It, it got a lot of flack because it totally like one of the main things that it pushed for was getting rid of the United Nations because during the Cold War, um, according to some of their beliefs, is the United Nations gave a huge amount of power to communist countries. So like the USSR, for example, was given a vote per country within the USSR. When if you looked at it and compared it to America, the USSR was similar to America is in its states. states. And so every single country in the USSR got a vote in the UN, but only America only got one vote. So it was like the USSR, it would would have been as if uh, a government, like they gave America a vote per state in an in in international sort of voting thing. So the USSR had a crazy amount number of votes hmm. compared to what they should have had as a United Soviet Republic or whatever the, the USSR stood for. Hmm. So, yeah, that was one of the things I remember hearing like growing up after my grandpa died, my dad, my dad still talked about the United Nations being a scam to give Cold War countries power. Anyway, yeah, my that's my, a that's a huge tangent that's that's a bit of a tangent to explain that i am a classical liberal so when it comes to taxes i think the vast majority of them are unnecessary yeah i kind of fall in the same group um just we're never going to get advertisers (laughs) we are never going to get Unless the John Birch Society. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would also be similar. Um, I don't, I guess I don't really know much about the different like distinctions between like a libertarian and a conservative and a classical liberal, whatever you call yourself. But like with me, I feel like the more freedom the individual people have, the better. So it benefits the greater good the most. Yeah, and so like giving yeah. like less taxes equals more money for the people, to which allows to them to bettering their society. Yeah, and instead of instead of like the government policing, and I mean obviously they have to police like the actual term for policing, but um, 
maintaining the rights. Of yeah, the maintaining the rights. I feel like a lot of the times, it, the government should be like the referee of a game where they just observe and enforce the rules when players have or when people break the rules. But yeah, that they way should people be don't walk all over each other. Yeah, but people should be completely hands off. So and then just let the game be played. Yeah. Um, like even if the score is five hundred thousand to one, <laughs> yeah. they're still obeying the rules. It's good. Yeah, and I just I don't a lot know. of people don't like that though. Yeah, because yeah, I don't and know. just and it's okay. Like it's it's a different belief system. Like you think about it when it comes down to people who actually know what they're talking about and actually know the philosophy they believe in. Um, there isn't anything necessarily inherently wrong with the opposite of, you know, classical liberalism or like there's nothing inherently wrong with hating capitalism. It's when it gets convoluted with false facts and lies and things like that where you can't just go when, – when you can't just analyze the systems for what they are and start just – the, the whole – just in general, it's even done on our side of things as there's a lot of polluted facts about the other side and really you just need to realize that when you get cut cut down to it which system is better for human nature and obviously I believe in what I believe in for that reason but taxes specifically that, that's something interesting is um, it really bothers me when people are double or triple taxed for the same money that they earn oh yeah like for example this this is the one that I will always hate when there's an exchange of money for a good that is used, for example. So it's already been manufactured and it's sold and it's been taxed. And then someone decides to sell it again. It's like you're converting a good to a money at that point rather than a labor to a money. Oh, yeah. And so that bothers me because it's just an extra way to just keep skimming money off of something that has already been created it, the labor's already been done and all money is is just representation of labor yeah and the thing that bugs me most about like a lot of taxes is that it puts a damper on innovation and yeah. like productivity like for me i want to be someone who is self-employed who has like their own business because i enjoy programming and i do a lot of music stuff so being able to like sustain myself independently with both working on programming projects and also music related things like that's just one of my goals is to just be completely self-employed autonomous yeah autonomous from any company but <clears throat> i seriously had like serious doubts when i was looking at the percentage of money that they were taking from me i was just like man that is insane and i just feel like with with the way that the world works like nature like where there is kind of a survival of the fittest and you you learn from getting beat. Like when yeah. someone beats you, you learn from it. Yeah. And, you know, it's the hardships that we go through in nature that have got us to where we are, you know, like trying to find easier ways to do things that are difficult. And it's the idea <clears throat> of, of you want to be lazy, so you get rid of like you – you make easier the things that are difficult so you yeah. can be lazy. And so I feel like that that is what drives our society forward. <clears throat> and so if you take that away from everyone and just say, okay, your needs are now met met completely by this government, and this is like, I guess, specifically in relation to socialism. Pure like, socialism. Yeah, where like, okay, now all your needs are completely met. There's no more incentive to do anything. 
because your natural instinct to like, you know, have fight shelter, have food and to fight for yourself, like, you know, nature does, uh, is now gone. And so our natural self, when we have no other pressing needs, is just to do nothing and be lazy. I see it's it in myself. self I see it in, yeah, yeah, I see it in everyone. And so <clears throat> I think that a little bit of healthy competition or a lot of healthy competition and a lot of kind of struggling to do something productive with your life and pushing and stretching yourself is what ultimately moves our whole society forward. Therefore, I prefer capitalism. <laughs> Strongly prefer capitalism. Yeah. I mean, I mean, socialism doesn't quite meet all the basic needs anyway. Um, it requires a healthy welfare state on top of it. Because all, all socialism is is just the idea that um, the average person doesn't own anything but the average group does okay, uh, so yeah. like the collective individual meaning all the people together own everything but when you really break it down though like that it's you just have two classes of people you have the everyday citizen and the people who manage the goods and the people who manage the goods own everything because they manage the goods it's like that saying goes it's it's not the vote that determines who's elected it's the vote counter who determines who's elected oh yeah and and i mean we're, this is really straying away from taxes but you you think about i mean last year this last year i earned more than i ever have in my life but i still earned less than i'm i'm not going to say how much i earned but i earned less than um let's see i'll just say i earned less than 30,000 a year for the whole year and I, I worked full time but because I worked multiple jobs and I had a side gig of earning you know contracted work I ended up owing taxes too and when I did my calculations I actually did them wrong the first time I thought I was taxed at 40% for my taxable income it was actually only 30% I went back and looked it up but 30% for less than 30,000 is still way that's more crazy than, that's way more than what it, it should have been and I you know I've talked to a lot of people and they're just like man I am so glad that I'm not a single man anymore. I'm so glad because because we get wrecked with taxes. Like a single individual, even I know I I, I don't want to bring gender into it, but a single individual is taxed way more than a married couple. Yeah, and I think that's to bringing like... gender into it. My sister said that when she was dating her now husband, they did taxes around before they got married. They got married in March, and they did taxes, and she earned more than him and was taxed way less than him. And then they got married, and he was just like, oh, yeah, finally. <laughs> but but it's like the taxation, is, like our system is so janky. Yeah. Like there – I mean if I had seriously meticulously tracked every single cent I spent doing things related to earning money, I probably could have gotten most if not all of my taxes back from write-offs but i didn't meticulously track every mile i drove i didn't meticulously track every lunch i had to buy because i was at work and things that related to working and so i didn't you know i might do that this year actually i might start doing it but yeah it's just such a pain it like adds so much extra work on top of what you already have to do it's just like ugh, is it even worth it it's it's like is it worth like part of me wants to have like a moral stance of like, yes, it is worth laboring myself to save myself money so that I can keep money out of the grubby government's hands. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I mean, they have the money anyway. It's just me getting it back. Yeah. And do I really want to work extra just to get a couple hundred bucks back or a couple thousand? Hopefully this year, crossing fingers. 
yeah. that I earn enough to justify to get something like that if I did. But I mean, taxes are. Let's talk about doing taxes, filing taxes. What do you think about filing taxes? I I don't mind it. I find it kind of fairly straightforward, but at times kind of confusing. Um, like when you compare tax returns from two different companies. Yeah. So I did it through. <laughs> I I actually filed through TurboTax. But I also did – so Credit Karma has free f- taxes you can do. It's the first time this year. And so I went through them as well. So I basically put in all of my W-2s and, and um, I had a 1099 miscellaneous because of the contract work that I did. And the numbers were vastly different, like completely different. And it, it seemed like Credit Karma wasn't taking out the 30% I got or of the money from the 1099 and yeah, so I ended up not using Credit Karma because of I didn't want to cheat on taxes because yeah. they weren't taking any money away from yeah. the self-employed work that I did or the contracting work. So you wanted to be completely honest with your taxes, so you chose the one that was more likely to be correct. Yeah, um, and good on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah <gosh. laughs> just kidding. I mean, so I would have done the same thing, but yeah. So I ended, up, but I ended up. Owing quite a bit and also having to pay TurboTax for all their stuff. So their TurboTax help. is a freaking capitalistic pig taking advantage of it. I'm just kidding. I love it. Yeah, I know. I use and, TurboTax. And, and uh, I found TurboTax to be way more intuitive. And the answers... I mean, the, produ- the, the, the on, development itself is better. Yeah, and the answers for like... Where did, where I need explanations yeah. were way better than Credit Karma. Because um, it, it literally looked like some of the stuff from Credit Karma was taken right out of like the tax form. Like where it was just like a really generic, vague kind of like. It's kind of like a why use lot word when few word do trick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just like okay, well, I guess that doesn't help me at all. It's um, like explaining a complicated tax thing by just rephrasing it slightly. Like, yeah, exactly. There was seriously some of them. Where I was like, I don't understand that. There's a little like question mark next to it. I click it, and it basically says the same exact thing. <laughs> it's like without clarifying how to it calculate all. your take home pay is. By looking at your net pay or whatever, <laughs> just, your, your gross pay. Like, oh, yeah, what's gross pay? Yeah, it was just, it was kind of frustrating. So I like TurboTax um, and I used it. They're pretty well developed. I like them too. It's kind of funny how much, like, I'd, I'd say we, we both don't like taxes, but I have probably gotten way more passionately angry about it than you have. <laughs> um, and yet, Wait till I you hear my theory on taxes. Freaking. I'll go later. Love filing taxes. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I get excited. And the second I get all my stuff, I gather it all together and I start putting it in. And I don't know why, but there's something about only once a year trudging through bureaucracy <laughs> that's kind of fun. I mean, if I had to do it literally every day, I would probably um, develop a pipe bomb to shove down my throat. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh my gosh. But I don't know what it is, but I. I seriously like the last. I, I can think about the last four years of doing taxes, and each day, I did. I like the circumstances around me filing my taxes were so different. Like the first time, I woke up like at six in the morning to do it because I was excited. That's crazy. And I did it. And the second year, I couldn't sleep, so I did it like three in the morning. <laughs> and then like the third year, I just did it when I did it, and it was fun. And I this last year was the least fun because it was the first time I've ever owed taxes. But I still, at the end, was just like, oh, yeah, that's satisfying that I finished that up so much before everyone else. Because I did it, like, before January ended. And it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't 
mind doing taxes. I don't love it, but apparently as much as you do. Um, I think it's just kind of the the calculation is nice. Like just like getting down and like sitting down and figuring everything out. Like it's it like kind of works your brain, which I, is nice. I think one of the reasons why I like it is it's a, a time to sit down and think about my financial work life for the previous year and to just go, okay, what what did I do well? What did I don't not do well? Um, and to just kind of analyze the year and go, dang. Yeah. Look at the progress I made in my life. Or dang, I suck. <laughs> Which the year before last, that was it. And that's why I decided to start earning money more. Though it is definitely skewed my relationship with doing taxes uh, by watching pay. that number go up and up every single time I enter something new. <laughs> so, um, the, the, this is how much you owe number just keeps skyrocketing. So that was, that probably definitely tainted my, my vision of it. But anything else on taxes? Um, I'm really glad I have an electric car and I'm not triple taxed on my income because I have to pay income tax and then I have to pay sales tax on a car and then I have to pay gas tax. tax. I'm really glad that all I need to do is pay income tax and sales tax on a car and tax on my electricity. That's nice. I'm so, just kidding. Anyway, yeah, let's be, let's be done with taxes. Okay. Let, let's be done with taxes. So now uh, we are going to move. Oh crap! I'm we'll move stuff. We're going to move on to our uh, to the homework that homework. we gave everyone um, was which was to read the Inner Ring by C.S. Lewis. It was a, a like a commencement speech he gave at MIT. Yeah. Um. So just to get down to the meat of this as quick as possible, um, this this basically uh, just really summed up is. If a uh, a ring traveling from Buffalo, New York, is heading at forty, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Turns out to be like a that was the like longest. a math problem. <laughs> it's just a... <laughs> no, no. You want to sum it up? I think you've read it more than me. Yeah. So I read this. My I think I said this on last time, but my mother I think sent this to me like a two years ago or something, and I thought it was really interesting. And it's something that I never really thought about too much when I read it, and just the way that he explains the phenomena is phenomenon. I don't know. I, I think it'd be really easy to follow. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so he he names it the inner ring, and I'd say that's not very self-explanatory. Yeah, so basically what the inner ring... It's basically everyone's feel like desire to fit in and like and wanting to be part of a group. It's but like how that's kind of insatiable and where you, every time you're in a group, you want to be into, in another group. And every time you're in that group, you want to be into another group. So there's just this giant like hierarchy of rings that you're trying to get into, but it eventually like... It's meaningless. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the the overall feeling that I had of my understanding, the overall feeling, that's a new sentence if I've ever heard one. Um, <laughs> just my kind of understanding of what it is is basically the inner ring is like the inner click. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you join that click, the newness wears off and it, you realize that it's just the same as the old click you were in. And yeah. sometimes there's clicks within clicks within clicks. Yeah. And sometimes you just find that new thing that you want and... I guess his his whole point is, I mean, to some 
my understanding is that his whole point is there's a different, there's like two feel you can kind of like bridle this feeling, this desire Mm -hmm. so that rather than just going from one thing that you want to the next one, excuse me, one group to the next, it's finding a group that has actual value and striving to be a part of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, he talks about how even a simple friendship is like a, a click. Yeah. Because when you're in the friendship, those who aren't in the friendship are part of the reason why that friendship is valuable. Yeah. And there's – I I actually – I read it on my computer and then I printed it out so I could mark it up and read it. And that and was – Make a lot of paper shuffling noises to edit out later. Yep. Here they are. <laughs> They're starting. No. But to go with that, there was one um, – let me see if I can find it here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So saying one of the things is kind of jumping kind of towards the end, but it says uh, there'd be no fun if there were no outsiders. The invisible line would have no meaning unless most people were on the wrong side of it. Exclusion is no accident. It is the essence. Um, That kind of goes along with one of the things that I underlined. Um, He it's near the beginning. Let me find it real quick. Oh, where should I begin reading this? He talks about how a lot of the times the inner ring is incredibly boring, but to not be a part of it is so much worse. Oh, yes. I have that quote. That that, that comment. But to have that time for – like he's talking about specifically you're required to work on afternoons and Saturday um, and you hate it and it's boring and it's required or whatever. But knowing that you don't matter – because you have like you have that time free, but you know someone else doesn't. Knowing that you don't matter, that is worse. Like I, that's true too. Yeah, I uh, yeah. That's definitely I've definitely felt. It's so interesting because like reading this, you're like, oh, this is so obvious. But I feel like everyone feels this way, and I've noticed it. <clears throat> I've noticed it in myself, feeling like an outsider of a group that I wanted to get into, and also feeling like I was in a group that excluded other people and feeling superior to them because I was quote-unquote, in the group, and they weren't. And I don't know. I just find it overall interesting, and I'm trying to, I don't know, kind of just be more aware of it so I can not get it, not like not... have an actual value from it. Yeah, and not have it consume me. Because he goes on to talk about two reasons why he says like you should probably avoid making this like a really big part of your life because if you don't if you leave it unchecked you will just naturally try to gravitate towards groups and become and at some point he says he says like nine out of ten people are fine but the one out of ten if they aren't aware of what's going on will end up becoming a scoundrel yeah i love the use of the term scoundrel yeah so he has so let's see here i'm gonna skip some of this, see if I can find it. Um, yeah, so he says right here. So basically he talks about how um, that not everyone is bad, but there are bad people and they use that inner ring or the allure of being in the inside to get you to do things that like aren't super bad but are a little bit outside the rules. And then he says, and then if you are drawn in, next week it will be something a little further from the rules and next year something further still, but all in the jolliness, jolliest, friendliest spirit. It may end in a crash, a scandal, a penal servitude. It may end in millions, a peerage, and giving the prizes at your old school, but you will be a scoundrel. 
Yeah. So I, just, I mean, that kind of describes how gangs work. Like yeah, people who who see a bunch of really fun people that have a lot of fun together, and then they realize that these guys are also kind of shady. Yeah, because if if that like I think it's naturally because like I said, our natural tendency is to fit in with groups. We're very like yeah. social uh, people, like just in general, humans are pretty social, and so the allure of being in a group is really like desirable. And so they can, the people in the group can you if, you know, on the wrong side of the fence, I don't know if they're, yeah, if they're kind of scoundrels, I guess, um, they can use that desire to be in the group, to get you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And that's his first gang initiations, gang initiations, or even something as simple as apparently it's not very simple. Yeah, just there's tons of things. <laughs> there's a lot know? of things. I mean, every everyday little things that you normally wouldn't do, like say talking to a certain person that you wouldn't normally, and to be in a group or, or just I don't know. I mean, there I I've been in situations where I've been friends with someone as a part of a friend group that I normally wouldn't be friends with, just because they're part of the friends group. Yeah, and I think that has a little to do with it as well. Yeah, that's true, and yeah. It was you, by the way. Oh, thanks. Jerk. <laughs> I hate you. Jerk. I'm just kidding. Well, it was the last episode. <laughs> it's fun while it lasted. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I mean, it was probably for you, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, so then his second reason, um, which let me, I'm just going to read this. I kind of highlighted this. He says, my second reason for this is this. It is the very mark of a perverse desire that it seeks what is not to be had. The desire to be inside the invisible line illustrates that rule. As long as you are governed by that desire, you will never get what you want. You are trying to peel an onion. If you succeed, there will be nothing left. Except the onion peel. But that's gross. I mean, onions are gross. I like onions, actually. Wait, are we talking about people still? No, onions. (laughs) <laughs> okay. I was going to say, like, people are... There's totally some Shrek comments we should be putting in here, but, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I feel like just because it's so insatiable and you just always want to get to the next level, there's never... Because, like you were saying earlier, that once you're in the circle, you just kind of... It's just like, oh, okay, this is just life. So these friends are the same as my old friends. Yeah, but there's another, there's another circle that you want to get into. And then once you're in that one, if you get into that one, there's another one. So there's never like a, there's never a place where you just sit down and you're just like, I've made it, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about how this applies to my life right now. Let's talk about this. Once upon a time, I really, really wanted to be a developer. And I was like, so ecstatic that I was getting a job in an engineering department as a QA guy. And that was the inner ring to me. And then I get there and there's this specific group of people that work at this company who are really cool that I want to be friends with. And then I get there. And then I realize that I'm still just a lonely QA guy and they're all developers. And they're cool, but I'm not in the ring yet. So I want to be a developer. And I like it goes on and on and like to the point where, okay, what point am I going to be satisfied with being me? Like in this group. Like probably when I'm making more money than I am making now, but Gosh. <laughs> anyway, the, that that goes along line like perfectly with this quote that I found from it. The inner ring is not a bad thing. It is in itself a good thing. That personal friendship should grow between those who work together. 
The desire which draws us into inner rings is another matter. A thing may be morally neutral, and yet the desire for that thing might be dangerous. Hmm. And yeah, I, I thought cool. that I found that interesting. Um, it's kind of a hard idea to grasp that there are things that are morally neutral and can have dangerous or negative things attached to them. I think that idea is very interesting, though, the the idea that something can be neutral and yet the desires attached to it can be dangerous. Um, it makes sense. I mean, you think of things like money, where money isn't inherently wrong or any isn't inherently evil, but if, if it's, getting money is your sole desire, like that can lead to a lot of I problems. I mean, if your only desire is to just hoard money, your life's going to suck. For yeah, one thing, you'll be homeless because you'll never spend your money. And you'll probably also do a lot of things that are wrong to get money. You know, like the, if if you desire money more than anything else. You'll sleep to the top. Gosh. <laughs> you'll just do a bunch, you'll of do a really, bunch of really morally ambiguous or morally wrong things to get it. Yeah. Um, just because it's happened to be easier than or a quicker or whatever. I mean, that's why get quick get rich quick schemes happen is because people it's like the idea like the like being a part of like the millionaire club like you when you hit million dollars you're part of the the seven figure club or what is this eight figure eight figure club a million dollars would be seven figures yeah seven figure club and then after that it's the eight figure club which is a billion dollars and i i've you know this is stuff that us peasants um, know nothing about because I, we don't know if it exists, but there's always a kind of a, a thing in culture that these sort of clubs exist or these these type of people like you don't get invited to certain events until you're this wealthy or this well-known. Yeah. And like that, if all you're seeking is that recognition. Let me see if I have any other quotes. I, I have some more. I have a couple too, actually. Um, you can go first. Yeah, so relating to the desire, like this I'd actually be able to align with. Like, you know, things are morally ambiguous things and the desire is what could be potentially dangerous. He he actually talks about this a little more. Um, and he says, unless you take measures to prevent it, this desire is going to be the one of the cheap motives of your life from the first day in which you enter your profession until the day when you are too old to care. And I think his his point with this, I mean, he go, he expounds on this himself, but his point to this is like, you're always continually going to be like, what's the next best thing? Your whole life until you just are too old to care anymore. And that's one of the dangers, I think, is um, this really can ruin your life because if, if you're content to be at a certain point in your life, um, that's a good life. That could can be a really good life. But if you're constantly trying to try new things, you have a lot higher risk of failure and not just um, simple failure like financial failure or something like that, like genuine failure where you are no longer trustworthy. People recognize you for your reputation. I mean you look at um, – what's his bucket? There's this big business guy. He started – he had this company and it lasted – it was like started with an E I think. It was like Environ or something like that, some weird name. It was like a fairly recent, it was like 2004, 2005. Hmm. Um, I could be so wrong because this is stuff that I'm remembering from childhood. Um, but yeah, like that, that you know, tangent aside, um, this can ruin your life if all you're doing is trying to get the next best thing. 
um, and that desire to be in the next best club or ring or whatever. And he, he continues to talk about governing that desire. Um, he says, as long as you are governed by that desire, you will never get what you want. You are trying to peel an onion. Have you already read this? I did read it, but you can read it in the next Yeah, moment. I don't think it fits fairly well in. Succeed there will be nothing left until you conquer the fear of being an outsider. An outsider, you will remain. I think that's really interesting. Um, I really, really, really like that last part. Like, until you conquer feeling like an outsider, you will always be an outsider. Yeah, because you think, like, I think about myself and other people. And there are people like me who are super intimidated by basically everyone and always feel kind of on the outside of things until I'm invited in, kind of, not explicitly, but kind of that people's actions have shown me enough that I'm in the group, quote unquote. And there's other people that just don't care. Like they just go up and they just instantly say hi, instantly make friends with everyone. Like they just like, it seems like they're just walking across those invisible lines and they don't even care. And it's just interesting to see the difference in like not just confidence level, but just their ability to just do things. They just, it's not even it's really in their head and maybe it is. And I just don't see it, but it just seems like some people can just, they can just go wherever they want to go. It doesn't matter. So, I mean, you, you're kind of bringing this into our personal experiences in this. Yeah. I can think back in high school, um, probably around the same time that you moved into the, the friend circle, um, that I was part of. And, I got kicked out of the ward, like the ward split. Oh, yeah. Um, it kind of became difficult for me to stay in the friend circle, um, mostly because, one, I never really put any effort in whatsoever. Um, and two, I felt out of the circle because you guys were able to organize hangouts and stuff at church, and I was not even in the same building. Yeah. And so, I don't know. Um, my personal experience with it has always kind of been that I don't really – care it doesn't drive everything that i do but it does have an influence on some things a lot of things obviously because everyone goes through the high school stage of so sublime um insecurity yeah sublime insecurity yeah i think one of the reasons why i find this like thing this article gosh discussion whatever this idea is so interesting is because i feel like i it has affected me a lot and when I read it, I'm just like, man, this is totally me. Wow, that's totally me. Well, dang, you know? Because I really do feel like a lot of the, like, my shyness and my, like, just kind of standoffishness we were talking about a couple episodes ago about me, like, being pretty aloof is because I definitely feel this. Like, I feel like, oh, I can't enter a room because, you know, the cool kids are in there or, oh, I can't go up and w talk to these people. Because, like, even it was, it's sometimes bad enough to where even if I know, like, I could have a really good friend that we are really good friends, but if that friend is in a circle with other people that I don't know, I feel like I can't approach my friend because he's in another ring right now, so therefore I should just leave him So alone. that's why we're friends, because we don't really have other friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, I'm no, it's so stupid to think about, but or, like, to think, like, why the heck couldn't I just go talk to my friend and, like, kind of be it's part like of the It's like me in high school. Um, my friend circle, like, the, one of my best friends is an awesome kid, but he had different friends at school and people that I literally had never met because I was homeschooled. So when I started going to public school... Um, these, I never wanted to talk to him around those friends because 
I didn't know them. They were kind of weird to me and I didn't want to be a part of the circle and I didn't feel really welcome in the circle. So I didn't, I basically lost base a little bit with this friend, um, for most of my time in high school because I didn't ever talk to him at high school. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like it is really, and I can't even think of like any huge examples, but like, I just feel like this idea of being separate and having these circles of groups that you have to become a part of, become like a member of quote unquote has just like, I mean, I see the world through those lenses. I feel like a lot. Yeah. Like it is interesting to like currently my probably biggest thing that's happening with me is the need and desire to advance my career, but only in ways that I like if that, like if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like at work, like, with the developers and and wanting to fit in with them. But on top of that, I have it really good there, but at the same time, I want a better job. And so unintentionally, I'm hunting because yeah. I got contacted. But, you know, I mean, that's... I, I sought sort of a wanting to feel belonging, so I've actually talked to other developers, and they're like, oh, yeah, I get contacted by recruiters all the time. And I'm just like, oh, cool, I'm a developer now rock on I'm in the ring and at the same time like no I still do QA and it's an interesting interesting kind of perspective this this article this his what type of address was it I think it was a commencement commencement speech yeah this commencement speech is is one of the more interesting things that I've read recently that's it's about such a simple idea that you might shrug it off as being kind of pointless but when you really look at it and read into it, it really opens up a um, a portal into um, the darkest corners of your own hellish mind. <laughs> <laughs> that went dark, but I mean, it's kind of true. And I think that kind of why, like the other day, we talked about a lot about perception is because... And our perception of, and our per- of other exactly. people's Exactly. <laughs> it's because, like, that semi-plays into it where I don't want to be someone who always seems like they're in a ring that no one else is in, so therefore I'm unapproachable. Like me with my friends, like, where he's like, oh, he's over-talking to those friends, so therefore I'm not in that circle yet, so therefore I can't approach him. And it's just, I don't know, this whole idea of that has been something I've been thinking about. Um, but... I think for me, I have one last quote, um, which is, uh, let's see, see, okay. So he says, once you're in, it says you yourself, once you are in, want to make it hard for the next entrant, just as those who are, are, who are already in made it hard for you. Hazing. Yeah. Hazing is probably the best example of that. Is hazing in this kind of thought that. You know, because I feel like, yeah, like all these things are just like, man, this is I'm like a perfect example of this. Uh, my life sucks. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, really bad. I'm a horrible person. But yeah, yeah you're you in a group and and you, it was quote unquote hard to get in that group, even though it probably wasn't. But then you feel like because it took you so long to get in, you had to do so much that anyone else who wants to get in has to earn it. You know, this is something that professional workplaces struggle with a crap ton. And that's why there's not nearly as many like people willing to mentor other people in their careers. Like the best example I think is I used to listen to when I was a pre-med wanting to become a doctor. I listened to a podcast that was, um, their, their main thing was corroboration, not, um, competition 
Like doctors becoming doctors should not be a competition. It should be a corroboration. Like people should be joining together to help other people become doctors. But in general, the atmosphere, the culture of becoming a doctor is extremely competitive, especially with high name, high reputation schools. And I think this aligns with that great. And that, that the idea that um, when you're in school and it was crazy hard to get there, you don't want to help someone else get in that school be, to make it easier, even though you probably should. Um, it's, it's, you, that's probably why it's also really hard to learn new careers in general is that there are few people willing to take on apprentice apprentices. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. Apprentices because they had to fight tooth and nail to get there, which is probably one of the reasons why teachers are so respected, but are valued so poorly. Yeah. It's interesting because like in that example of doctor, like not wanting to help someone else or not wanting to help someone get into a particular school that you went to or, or become a, whatever profession you are, is that them failing like in a kind of twisted way makes you feel better about yourself. Oh yeah. It's like they failed, but, but I, succeeded. I did it. So I mean, that happens a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, I found out at one point that I was given a job over someone who had more education than me. And I was just like, hot diggity dog, look at me. <laughs> and in reality, what I should have been like, well, why couldn't they get a job too? Yeah. We're both pretty good. <laughs> You're both pretty gay? I said good. Oh. We're both pretty good. <laughs> I said good. <laughs> I was like, hmm, this is interesting. You hearing stuff you want to hear? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like, and again, like talking about, again, always going back to that perception thing, but just wanting to let other people in the group. And I've been trying to be nicer to people and just let people in more. And yet, still being antisocial. Still being antisocial. Because that's who we are. That is definitely who I am. Are you still the cool kid with the cool hair in your band? What do you mean? The one where the chicks always compliment after shows. Like, dude. Nathan's got great hair. Um, I don't drummer know. has amazing hair. Probably not. I mean, I'm not a drummer anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's getting pretty long. My sister thinks I should cut it. Erica, what you it. should do, oh my gosh, is grow half your really scraggly, scruffy beard on one side gosh. and shave your hair on the same <laughs> side so that you have like this weird like <laughs> yeah. polarizing effect going. Yeah, almost like a... Yeah, that's what you're saying. Like or what you should do my face. is shave one side of your hair and then dye all of your hair just blood red. <laughs> you can look like an East German in the mid 2000s. <laughs> I don't think I don't think my hair would go blood red because it's black, and I'd have to I'd have to fry well, first it. First, you would bleach. fry it, nuke it with bleach until it's yellow or orange, and then make it blood red or orange. Yeah, I don't think it would. I don't think it would look good. Actually, no, I know for a fact. I'm pretty sure no matter how you dyed it, it would not look good, (laughs) in my opinion, because I don't like dyed hair. So I think we should probably wrap up. Yeah. Anyway, great talk, or great, gosh, uh, speech, I guess. Um, Everyone should read it. Do we have homework for next week? I think I'm in the mood for Julian Smith because it is older content. I don't know much about this, so I'll have to... Um, Yeah, you'll have to watch his video. He talks about... um, like just a basic gist is he kind of compares um, Jesus Christ to someone who probably cusses a lot. And because he was like hanging out with 
certain types of people. Oh, if yeah. I'm remembering, I, I'm going to have to refresh it as well. And I think you, the listeners, should watch it as well. Because, I mean, it is super different from his usual take on stuff. And he does have some valuable things in it. But overall, I was, I mean, we could save that for discussion. Okay. Yeah. So I'll throw that in the show notes so you guys can uh, watch it. Should be pretty long. It'll definitely go a lot faster than reading this this uh, commencement speech. I think it's like way minutes, longer, if I remember right. Um, yeah, so we can discuss that next week. I have not seen it, so I'll be watching it for the first time. And then we, yeah. Surprise, surprise! It is forty-one degrees outside. <laughs> Hasn't changed at all. <laughs> yes. Uh, ciao.